Alright guys, welcome back to Revive School. Uh, this is a big one. I mean, huge! It's less than 100. Oh man, I should have got my numbers out. Kevin, come on, this is less than 100. We should have uh, confetti, we should have our party pants on. Now it's only less than 100 of the historical books. Kevin, how many does that make us then doing this in regards to all of it? We've gone through the Pentateuch, we've gone through the Gospels, and... 299. Two, really? Wow. Yes. 299 lessons? You guys, you've made it that far while reading the Word. You're almost through a whole year. Like, that's incredible to me. So anyway, and now we're still talking about Chronicles. And we are in First Chronicles 25 and 26. Now, in 25, just so you know, in First Chronicles, I'm going to give you a summary of that whole chapter. It's called the Levitical Musicians. Moving on to 1 Chronicles 26. <laughs> I mean, that's really what it is. These guys play an important part, not diminishing at all their role uh, as, as musicians. So now we're going to get into another topic here, and their role is their gatekeepers. Now, this is kind of fun because for me, uh, gatekeepers, in, in the first 11 verses, what we're going to see today is the, the families of the gatekeepers. Okay, so really, uh, let's get into this. I'm going to break this up just a little bit here. You're going to get into the families of the gatekeepers. Now, when you think of gatekeepers, it should, it should remind you a little bit of, Kevin, our famous word that we've been talking about. Nephilim? The Nephilim. Nephilim are these temple servants. There are these roles that people play that are really important, but nobody notices. I mean, that's really what it comes down to, is that if they do notice, it's because they need something or they have to work through something. And that's what a gatekeeper is. And so we're, we're going to begin to unpack a little bit of that. Now, let me just kind of give you another uh, a bigger picture here. So in first 11 verses, we're going to talk about the families of the gatekeepers. And then you're going to get into verses 12 through 19. We're going to start talking about the divisions of their duties. Okay, so like what are their, uh, their roles and uh, what, what do they do specifically? Okay, does that make sense? And so, first of all, let, let's just kind of start painting this picture if we can. Now, let me just tell you this. Um, the two of the three Levitical families uh, served as gatekeepers, okay? The Korahites and the Merahites, but not the Geshonites, okay? Just so you have a picture here. That's their role that they played as gatekeepers. Now, is that life-changing for you? Not today. Here's what's crazy about this whole story. I read through 20, uh, 26, and I was like, God, are you kidding me? Like, you should have given this one to Gordy or Tom. You know, like, that's what you're thinking. Or give them to Wesley or, you know, give them to Josh, whatever. But as I sat down and I started praying through this, I got, like, super giddy about First Chronicles 26. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to just kind of uh, generally begin to unpack this, okay? And then I'm going to go specifically for one person, one gatekeeper that I have learned so much from, from 1 Chronicles 26. All right, so now let's just get the ball rolling. Okay, in the first, first nine verses, okay, I don't even need, well, I'll write it up here. You're going to have the Korahites. The Korahites, and that's going to be in the first nine verses. It says the following were the divisions of the gatekeepers. From the Korahites, 
Meshelemahiah, the son of Kor, one of the sons of Asaph. Here you have, again, the Meshelemaniah sons had sons. Zechariah the firstborn, Jedidiah the second, Zebediah the third, Jathniel the fourth, and it continues on. Elam the fifth, Jehonan the sixth, Eliahoanai the seventh, uh, and then uh, verse four, Obed-Edom. Wait, Obed-Edom? Like, is this the, the famous Obed-Edom? Yes. Kevin, who is Obed-Edom? Do you remember Obed-Edom? Uh, he's where the ark camped out for three months after uh, Uzzah was killed. You got it. So just, just as a frame of reference, we're going to come back to Obed-Edom here, but I don't want you to miss something. Can you go to First Chronicles 13, verses 13 through 14? So in the families of gatekeepers, you have the Korahites. In the Korahites list, okay, you have Obed-Edom. If Obed-Edom is in the line of the Korahites, Kevin, what, what tribe is he from? He's from the Levites. He's from the Levites. Good. So David did not move the Ark of God home to the city of David. Instead, he took it to the house of Obed-Edom the Gittite, right? Keep going to verse 14. The Ark of God remained with Obed-Edom's family in his house for three months, and the Lord blessed his family and all that he had. We're going to camp out on that in a little bit. But what I love about what David did is, is that David gave the Ark of God to a Levite. That makes sense? So at least he's now starting to do something right. So now when you go to 1 Chronicles 26, if you go back there for me, Kevin, uh, 1 Chronicles 26, Obed-Edom is just slipped in there. Okay, but now look at this. It says he had sons, Shemamiah, Shemamiah the firstborn, Jehozabad the second, Joah the third, Sakar the fourth, Nathaniel the fifth, Amiel the sixth, Issachar the seventh, and Pehuathai the eighth. For God blessed him. So now all of a sudden, Obed-Edom is listed as have how many kids, Kevin? Uh, eight. Eight sons. And look what it says. For God blessed him. Go back to First Chronicles 13. So the ark comes to the house of Obed-Edom. So Obed-Edom actually receives the ark of God. And because of that, verse 14, it says, The Lord blessed his family and all that he had. It said he had blessed... Well, how was he blessed? Well, specifically, we know that this word came to fruition because he had eight kids. And in 1 Chronicles 26, you actually see a fulfillment of 1 Chronicles 13, 13, and 14. Here's what's crazy is, is that Obed-Edom is a product of the blessing that God told him is going to happen. Okay. It was only there three months. Only there three months. Okay. We're going to come back to Obed-Edom, okay? We're going to come back to this, what this looks like. But I, I just want to make sure everybody sees this. Now in verse 6, then he begins to describe Obed-Edom's son, Shemaiah, okay? Born sons who ruled over their ancestry houses because they were strong and capable men. So how are these guys described? Strong and capable. I don't want us to miss this. And then it says in verse 7, Shemael's sons, Othni, Rephiel, Obed, and Elizabeth, his brothers Elihu and Semachiah were also capable men. So he has sons, but now, Kevin, according to this, what does he have? Those are his grandsons. So now he's got grandsons. Again, I know this sounds obvious, but this was prophesied this was going to happen. You're going to actually be blessed because of these three months. And oh, by the way, eight sons, grandsons, grandsons coming. Like the lineage has been established because Obed-Eden opened up 
his house to the presence of God. Continues on in verse 8. It says, All these were among the sons of Obed-Edom with their sons and brothers. They were capable men for strength, for work. And then look how many came from Obed-Edom. 62 from Obed-Edom. I'd say that guy is either Amish or he's blessed. Like, I mean, that's the reality. Kevin, I have a picture up here of, of my little crew here, if you don't mind. So I have four of them, okay? And I, I love how, in these two, it's a competition, just so you know. Which one's taller? I think that's why Maya did her hair like this. So it's a little bit taller. This is Maya uh, in sixth grade, okay? Oh. <laughs> Maya's in eighth grade. Nadia's in sixth grade, okay? So you have a 13-year-old, an 11-year-old, Nadia. Then I have my fourth grader, Selah. And then I have my little boy, Jude, okay, who is in first grade. Eighth, sixth, fourth, and first. 13, 11, 9, and 6. Look at this, 2018 to 2019, and here you have this. I wanted to show you this because I'm gonna, I want to come back to this, but Scripture says so many times, you guys, children are a blessing from the Lord. I'm going to come back to that, but Obed-Edom, okay, was blessed 62. All right, now here's what's crazy about this. Let's jump back into the genealogy, and then we're going to come back and hang out with Obed-Edom if we can. So it says in verse 9, Meshelemiah also had sons. Remember, this is the Korathites. Uh, and sons and brothers who were capable men. He had 18. In verse 10, then you're going to start describing the Merahites. Okay, so here you have the Merahites in verses 10 through 11. Again, they're in the lineage of the Levites. They're in the lineage of their role of being a gatekeeper. Okay, so Hossa, Hossa from the Merahites also had sons. Shimri the first, although he wasn't the firstborn, his father had appointed him as the first. And then in verse 11, Hilkiah the second, Tevaliah the third, Zechariah the fourth, the sons and the brothers of Hosea were 13 in all. One of the reasons I wanted to point out the 62, nobody even comes close to Obed-Edom's number. So I just think in that fact alone, here you have this being blessed. Okay, now total in all of this, 1 through 11, you're going to see 93 total. Okay, uh, and just so you know, I let Nelson's do the counting on this one, not me. So if you don't like that number 93, it's Nelson's commentary. Here's why I wanted to show this number. 62 out of the 93 of the gatekeepers come from Obed-Edom. I think that's really incredible. Okay, now that we have, that's the families of the gatekeepers. So this is what we're talking about, the Korhites and the Merariites. Now, what do they do? Like, what are some of their, their roles? Well, in verses 12 through 19, we could begin to unfold it, but I'm going to do it a little bit differently. Okay, I have a list here. That actually comes from Nelson's. And I'm going to kind of be all over the place, but I'm going to give you a list of the duties. Instead of just going straight through 1 Chronicles 26, I've kind of, we've kind of compiled all of their roles. Okay, so now think about this. One of them would be Obed-Edom. One of them would be his eight sons. These guys are playing these roles. So one of them is, remember, they're Levites. They're to, they're to actually guard the temple gates. Okay, in 1 Chronicles 28, verse 16, their role is to guard temple gates. Uh, these were guards stationed at every watch. It was the west gate, the gate of Shalekath on the ascending highway for Shupim and Hosa. So, you know, if you were to ever play the game Captain Obvious, this would be one of them. What do gatekeepers do? They keep track of the gates. Right? Good one, right? So they guard the temple gates, okay? Now, in First Chronicles 9.23, okay, they are in charge of equipment. Uh, it just says, so they and their sons were assigned to the gates of the Lord's temple, uh, which had been the tent temple. Obviously, they're assigned 
charge of the equipment. There's a little bit, uh, maybe not as much detail in that one, Kevin. Let's keep going on here. A couple other roles is they're in charge of, go to verse 26, Kevin. They are in charge of the treasuries. So it says, with the four chief gatekeepers were Levites who were entrusted with the rooms and the treasuries of God's temple. Okay, what's some other roles? Well, if you'll go to 2 Kings 12, 9, they are in charge of, again, it's going to feel of similar, they're in charge of the contributions. Okay, they are in charge, first, uh, 2 Kings 12, 9. Uh, so it says at the very bottom in it, the priests who guarded the threshold put all of the money brought into the Lord's temple. Uh, they're also in charge of articles for temple services. You're going to add this in 1 Chronicles 9.28. In 1 Chronicles 9.29, then they are in charge of the furnishings, uh, oil, and spices. Okay. And then it says in verse 30, they're in charge of the mixing spices. Okay. Then you're going to see in verse 31 uh, that you'll see that they're in charge of baking bread. <laughs> Amen. Straight out of the Essen house. Uh, and then in verse 32, they're supposed to set the bread, setting the bread for Sabbath. Like they have a lot of roles and it's very, very diverse. If you keep going to verse 33, uh, the singers, the heads of the Levite families, they stayed in the temple chambers and were exempt, uh, exempt from other tasks because they were on the duty day and night because they were singers, right? They were musicians. So this is the role of the Levites. This is the role of the gatekeepers. This is the role of sometimes the Korahites and the Merariites, okay? This is kind of some of the tasks that they were to be doing every single day. All right, so here's this, this is the role that we're playing. So basically in verses 12 through 19, that's what you're going to see with the divisions, okay? So in 12 through 19, these are their roles that they play. Interesting enough, go to verse 15. Obed-Edom had an actual specific role. So we know that he was blessed. He had sons. He had grandsons. But then it says, look, it says that he had, was given what gate, Kevin? South. He was given the south gate. So Obed-Edom right here was in charge of the south gate. Now look at this, though. It says, and his son's lot, though, was what? Storehouses. The storehouses. So one of the things I think is really cool is that the dad is doing the work, and so are the, the kids. It's an interesting picture here in charge of these things. Now, just so you know, we're going to wrap up 26, and then we get to go where I want to go today. I'm pretty excited. In verses 20 through 26, then, and I kind of ran out of room. I shouldn't have. Shoot. Verses 20 through 32, you see the officers and judges. So not only do they play these roles, but then some Levites actually get to play specific tasks. So, I mean, look in verse 20. From the Levites, Ahaja was in charge of the treasuries, right, of God's temple and the treasuries of what had been dedicated. So obviously there was an officer over these gatekeepers in itself. So everybody is playing these different and unique roles. But when I started praying and I said, okay, Lord, what is it with Obed-Edom? When I heard about 1 Chronicles 13 and I saw in 13 and 14 that it says he was blessed, but then I didn't get to teach on it the way I wanted to. Because I remember I was like, I really want to go there, what it means to be blessed. So then I was like, okay, fine. And then when it came up in 1 Chronicles 26, and then I actually saw with my own eyes while reading this lineage that it's clear his family like has grown. Now, I want to I give you a, a, some, some unique insight that honestly, I didn't even know existed. 
Okay, there is this thing called the Targum. T-A-R-G-U-M. Anybody ever heard of this before? Okay, Tom, Clayton. The Targum is this. It's spoken paraphrases or explanations or expansions of Jewish scripture that a rabbi would give in the common language of the listeners, which was often in Aramaic. Okay, Uh, I'm going to try to use the, the Amish as an example. The Amish, when they have church on Sundays, every other Sunday, right? Kevin, do you remember what language they actually use to teach uh, the, their, their communication and the read? It's a version of Dutch or the German. Yeah, German Dutch, right? Pennsylvania Dutch. Yeah, Pennsylvania Dutch is what they're reading in, right? They're communicating this, this language uh, that's not English. But then what's interesting is, is when they're all done, people can then actually comment on their teaching, right? You've heard this before. They can comment on whether they liked it, whether they did not like it. Well, kind of think of it this way. The Targum is once scripture has been released in one language, then they communicate what it means in their own language. That makes sense? That's interpretation. Yeah, it's basically an interpretation. It's known as a translator. It's known as an interpreter. And we call it, and that came from Philip uh, Alexander from the Anchor Bible Dictionary in regards to the Targum. I'm going to write this up here, okay? Targum. I never thought I would be studying the Targum or about the Targum because of Obed-Edom. Ezra 4.7, okay, Targum means translator, interpreter, to explain, like, what does this text mean? Now, this would be one of those scenarios. During the time of King Artaxerxes of Persia, Bishlam, Milthredath, Tabel, and the rest of his colleagues wrote to King Artaxerxes. The letter was written in Aramaic and translated. This would be in reference to, and there was translated something because we didn't understand the language. Make sense? Targum. Okay, so what do we do with this? The Targum actually wrote about First Chronicles 13, 13, and 14. There was a translation and an interpretation about 1 Chronicles 13, 13 through 14. So if you'll go there, Kevin, is everybody with me here? So like there was an explanation done of this verse. Because I wanted to keep asking the Lord, Lord, what does it mean to be blessed? Right? If you're a gatekeeper, if you're Odom Edom and you're guarding the temple gates and you're in charge of equipment, charge of treasuries, you got lots of kids, how, how, how does this look? What does, that, what does that mean? How did they get to this point? On 13, it says, so David did not move the ark of God home to the city of David. Instead, he took it to the house of Obed-Edom the Gittite. Verse 14, the ark of God remained with Obed-Edom's family in his house for three months. In fact, Kevin, can you go to the other picture of, uh, look at this. Okay, so remember, uh, what you have here is is that it was in Kiriath's dream. I don't know why that was weird. And then before it hit Jerusalem, is this right, Kevin? It went to Obed-Edom's house, okay, for three months, okay? As it went there, it says, it says that he was blessed for his, it blessed his family and all that he had. So here's what the Targum says at the end of this chapter. When interpreting this, Adam Clark commentary. Now remember, the Targum is not scripture. Okay, it's not the word of God. Translation and interpretation about what we're reading. Does that make sense? It's, it's a historical document that translates. Correct. So here you have, I'm going to read, it's going to sound a little bit old. This comes from Adam Clark commentary. This is the Targum at the end of 1 Chronicles 13. And the word of the Lord blessed Odom Edom and his children, his grandchildren, and his wife conceived. Now look at this. And his eight daughters-in-law, right? Because he's got eight sons. So we've proven that in the genealogy. It said, and each 
brought forth, you ready for this? Eight at one birth. What? Okay, so we know that this 62, you guys, we know that's not the total family count. Okay, we're just talking about the lineage of the guys here, right? So now he's saying the eight daughter-in-laws, uh, this is the tor- Torgum. I, again, I'm not, it's not scripture, okay? But I just think it's interesting because I was blown away because I was like, I wonder what blessed really means. Well, I know. Let's have eight sons. They each have their own wife, and then each of them have their own kids. How about eight of them at each time? Kevin, I would not call that a blessing. (laughs) 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 I'd call that overwhelmed. But why I like this, you guys, it made me go to Psalm 127, verse 3 through 5. Psalm 127, 3, 4, and 5. Now think about this. You guys know this. Uh, But write it up here. Psalm... 127, verses 3 through 5. Sons are indeed a heritage from the Lord. Children, a reward. Verse 4. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior are the sons born in one's youth. In verse 5. Happy is the man who has filled his quiver with them. Such men will never be put to shame when, look at this, when they speak with their enemies at the city gate. I don't know, but for me, it's just kind of like this little picture of like all of these men and all of their kids, they get to speak to their enemies at the city gate. I know the city gate might not be the south gate. I get that. But Obed-Edom is blessed because he has kids. And here it is. It's so, it's such an incredible picture. They're going to even be speaking truth against their enemies, towards their enemies at the city. They're going to speak on God's behalf. And like for me, how did they get to this point? How do you get to this point? And I think to me, here's what's crazy. I put on a different shirt today. I had a different shirt. It was a striped shirt and I had little arrows on here. And my wife goes, you should take that shirt off. Not today. And I didn't think anything of it. But then we were sitting down and I was studying this. I go, Laura, arrows, arrows. She's like, well, you should wear it now. I go, no, now you don't think it looks good on me. I'm not wearing this now. You know, but like the point is, is like arrows are a blessing from the Lord. How did Obed-Edom get to the point where his family could be at the gate representing the Lord? Because for three months, you guys, they were entrenched and surrounded and experienced the presence of God. And here's where I want to go today, you guys. The ark, as one guy says, is like it's the sign of a a covenant that God made with his people. Can you imagine for three months, Obed-Edom and his family gets to talk about the law. They get to talk about the word you know, the ark, it also, it, it keeps a record, a record you guys, of, of God's dealings with the rebellion. So these guys need to learn how they've messed up. And then the ark, it also talks about this. There's this instant, when the ark of God is with you, there's this instant communion with him. There's this instant connection with him. Why? Because the ark of the Lord contained what, Kevin? Ten commandments and uh, Aaron's... Staff, budding staff, yeah. And then a jar of manna. So think about this, though. Those things are great. But can you imagine you get to have the two tablets that were written by the finger of God inside your house? So how was Obed-Edom's family blessed? Because they truly got to experience the word of God. You want to know how to have a blessing in your family? Surround your family. Can I just say this super practically? Like, can you imagine if every day you woke up and you said, guys, we have the presence of God through the word. We have this in our house. Can you imagine if you're a father or a mother or an aunt or uncle and you got to speak life into your kids or your nephews and your nieces. And every day you got to recognize we get to experience him. 
Obed-Edom experienced the presence of God for three months. And I think what's happened is, is that we have this in our house and we show no respect. I don't even know where the word of God is in my house. I, don't even, I, have, I have 15 of them. Obed-Edom was blessed. I truly believe this because he embraced, yes, the word of God. Well, you kind of have to remember how it got there, too. I mean, that it plays into it. There wasn't the reverence for the presence of God. And That's right. Doing it accordingly. And so... So just, just maybe, Kevin, go to Deuteronomy 6, verses 1 through 9. I mean, we're, this is the Shema. I mean, here he is sitting in his living room, right? <laughs> With the ark of God and his family. And they, what if they pick up Deuteronomy 6, says the statutes and ordinances. This is the command. The Lord your God has instructed me to teach you so that you may follow them in the land you're about to enter and possess. Verse 2, do this so that you may fear the Lord your God all the days of your life by keeping all of his statutes and commands. I'm giving you your son and your grandson and so that you may have a long life. Can you imagine Obed-Edom? All of a sudden he's talking to his son. He's like, okay, guys, when you pass this down, like we have to embrace all of this. And for three months, just, I don't know, I just want to, what if they did nothing else except experience the presence of God? And this just spilled over into their grandsons. Why? So that they could have a long life. You want to know how to be blessed? Be a part of the word of God. Verse three. So listen, Israel, and be careful to follow them so you may prosper and multiply greatly because the Lord, the God of your fathers has promised you a land flowing with milk and honey. Verse four. Listen, Israel, the Lord, our God, the Lord is one. Verse five. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. These words that I'm giving you today are to be in your heart. Verse 7. Can you imagine Obed-Edom and the family going through this with your kids? Repeat them to your children, he says. Talk about them when you sit in your house and when you walk along the road. Hey, do you guys remember what, what did we read this morning in Deuteronomy 6? Oh, and when you're lying down and when you get up, like the parents were integrating the presence of God into their family. Bind them as a sign on your hand and let them be a symbol on your forehead. And write them on the doorpost, look at this, you guys, of your house and on your gates. I don't, I don't know if Obed-Edom and the family, I don't know what verses they read. I don't know, you know what, they, what books they read. I can tell you this, though. Based on God saying, you have this for three months, and based on them being blessed, and then based on them being a gatekeeper in the Levitical uh, lineage, and then based on them giving these specific roles, I can guarantee you guys they were obeying the Shema. Because they believed that the word of God, Hebrews 4, verse 12, was alive and active. How are they blessed? Because they embrace the word. The word of God is living and effective and sharper than any double-edged sword, penetrating as far as the separation of soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It's able to judge the, the ideas and thoughts of their heart. Hey, kids, look, I know it's going to be a hard day today. You're going to eventually go out and you're going you're gonna to be having some special roles. But remember this. Always cherish this time that we've had with him and keep coming back to him. And, and honestly, you guys, if we're not coming back to this, we're coming back to ourselves. And when you depend upon ourselves, then there becomes no standard. We have to go back to spending living room time with the presence of God. Obed-Edom was truly blessed because I believe he believed the word of God could radically change lives. And so when I look at First Chronicles I see in verse 4 of 1 Chronicles 26, one man who is faithful enough to receive the ark and then use this time to pour into his family. Please don't miss this time of pouring into your family so that they could receive the blessing from the Lord. And to me, you know what the blessing from the Lord is? 
It's experiencing His presence. I'm not talking about material goods. I'm not talking about physical things. I am talking about experiencing uh, the blessing from the Lord, experiencing His presence. And I know, you guys, in, in the New Testament, we talk about this blessing. You know, Jesus says, blessed are the poor in spirit. You know, blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are those who are persecuted. But one that I really love in Luke eleven twenty eight is this. Luke eleven twenty eight is this. And somehow for me, it just struck a chord. It says, he said, even more, those who hear the word of God and keep it are blessed. That's my challenge. You hear this, keep it. That's when you're truly blessed. And that's why I believe Obed-Edom saw the blessing. He kept the word of God. All right, guys, have a great day. 